0: Chapter twenty six of the haunted room by Charlotte Maria Tucker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty six the weak one Emmy remained for a few brief seconds as if transfixed into stone. More wretched was she even than her father, who had rushed off to London on hearing of the arrest of his younger son, without knowing that any danger or disgrace threatened the elder it need not be said that Emmy never for one instant doubted the innocence of either her present intense agony arose from her fear regarding the fate of bruce in the fatal room which he has occupied through my own selfish folly so flowed the stream of thought like burning lava through the poor girl's brain bruce has heard has discovered the forgers it would take no cowardly oath and they have murdered him to ensure his silence what a fearful fate has overtaken my own brave brother but, oh, may merciful Heaven have shielded his precious life! Susan entered the room, alarmed by the account of the state of her mistress given by Hannah. She expected to find Miss Trevor either fainting or in hysterics. But to her surprise, the lady was perfectly calm. This was no time to give way to weakness. The very extremity of Emmy's anguish subdued its outward expression. Go to the policeman, Susan. Tell them that I am certain that my brother Bruce has been the victim of some foul deed she said with distinct articulation through a quivering, bloodless lip. "'Let every corner of this house, from attic to cellar, be searched. A thousand pounds reward to whoever shall find Bruce Trevor!' Emmy waved her hand impatiently to urge speed, and Susan hastened from the apartment, scarcely more certain of young Trevor's innocence, or less anxious regarding his fate, than was his unhappy sister. "'There are two guilty ones who are likely enough to be able to throw light on this dark mystery,' said Emmy to herself harper and that wretched woman his wife but can i set the police on their track without breaking my oath my horrible oath would heaven in this dreadful emergency condemn me for that or suffer that those awful imprecations which i was forced to utter should fall on my body and soul is there any other course open before me in this maddening misery of doubt Emmy made two hurried steps towards the door and then paused there is one other course yes i see it i could go myself alone to the dwelling of jail there is something of the woman left in her still she protected my life from her husband bruce may be living still but kept in confinement a gleam of hope came with that thought not in harper's hevel which is too small and too close to others to be used as a hiding place or a prison but possibly in jails which stands by itself i will go thither threats promises entreaties all will i use to win from her at least some tidings of my lost brother if i go alone i break no oath and jael will be able henceforth implicitly to trust in my honour she may confide to me things which she would effectually conceal from officers of justice yes i will go alone o oh, god of mercy help and direct me one measure of precaution suggested itself to so that mind of Emmy, who could not dissociate the idea of personal danger from intercourse with any of those concerned in the forgery plot she tore a leaf from her pocket-book and wrote upon it the few following lines to be left on the dining-room table if there be tidings of my brother or if i be long in returning seek for me at the house of mrs Jessel. there is no breach of my oath in writing this thought Emmy as she added her initials to the lines which she had hastily penned Emmy's garden hat and scarlet shawl were hung up in the hall she sought no other equipment for her walk through the wood the clouds were hanging like a pall over the white earth and the wind was now furiously high Emmy did not pursue the path by the drive that would have led to the hamlet and the highway there was a short cut through the woods to the dwelling of jael and the maiden took it sheltering herself as best she might against the tempest which raged round her fragile form the poor girl felt that she was on a dangerous enterprise she knew not whom or what she might meet in the place to which she was going she had not forgotten the gleam of harper's sharp blade or the fierce threat expressed in his eyes. It may be marveled at that one so timid as was Emmy should venture without protection to a dwelling in which might be lurking those whom she knew to be criminals, those who, as she fearfully suspected, might be murderers also. It was indeed sisterly affection that impelled Emmy onwards, but her support, her strength, was in prayer. Emmy was trusting now as she had never trusted before. She was leaning on, clinging to the invisible arm that could hold her up, to the love which would never forsake her it is not to be supposed that vibert's miserable position was forgotten by Emmy in her terrors on account of his brother but for vibert the sister could do nothing but pray his father was hastening to his aid her whole energies Emmy felt must be concentrated on her own special work that of discovering the fate of bruce trevor Emmy had gone more than half way to the dwelling of jail when the thunder cloud above her burst into storm compared to which that one she had encountered on the evening of her arrival was but as the play of summer lightning never before had the trembling girl heard such deafening peals as those which now shook the welkin while the rattling hail descended with fury branches above and on either side creaked and snapped in the gale and some were whirled with violence across the path of the maiden Emmy started shuddered and drew her shawl over her head for protection against the blast and the hail but still she struggled onwards she uttered no shriek but she gasped forth a prayer it was the moan of one in anguish not the cry of one in despair that storm was one of the most terrible which had ever been known in england the newspapers on the following day recorded many a wreck on the coast many an accident in inland localities they told of stacks of chimneys blown down and a church spire struck by lightning they recorded how cattle had been killed by the fall of a tree and a sportsman in the field struck dead with his gun in his hand Emmy always remembered that storm as a horrible dream and wondered how she had been strengthened to endure what terrified nature so shrank from but personal fear was partly neutralized by a yet more absorbing fear to gain tidings of bruce Emmy felt that she would bear the shock of the fiercest storm that ever swept over the earth the maiden emerged unharmed from the wood safe at least from danger of injury by lightning struck a tree or branches torn off by the gale she had preserved through one terrible peril and would not the power that had helped her hitherto sustain and protect to the end? Emmy had now reached a road which skirted an open heath, and the lone dwelling of Jael Harper stood not a hundred yards before her. It was a narrow, two-storied house, standing in a small garden. Both house and garden were whitened with snow, as was the little path which connected the door with the road. The hail had spent itself in that sharp and furious downfall, but the blinding lightning flashed faster than ever, its forked jagged darts through the sky. As Emmy, with desperate resolution, approached the garden gate of that dwelling, which was as fearful to her as a lion's den might have been, she noticed, on the snow-covered road, the tracks of cart wheels, and on the garden pathway those of feet. The latter were all in a direction, which showed that, though several persons might have quitted the house since the fall of snow on the preceding night, no one could have entered it emmie leaned for a few moments against the low garden paling to gather her thoughts the noise of the storm and the terror of her mind made it difficult even to think footprints from the door to the road some larger some smaller as if made by a woman and some left by wide-nailed boots while pointing this way murmured emmie three persons must have left this house this morning and i stand on the track of the wheels all then have absconded they have fled from justice that den of wickedness must be empty and they looked across the garden at the door, with its iron studs and large old-fashioned knocker, and felt assured that the loudest summons on that knocker would not cause that door to open. The shutters of the windows were all closed. The house was evidently shut up and deserted. The young lady could not get in. Wherefore, then, should she stay? Would it not be better to return home at once, and hear if the strict search after Bruce, which must have followed her offer of large reward, had been of any avail? oh why did i madly come hither exclaimed emmy personal fear again rising into terror as she contemplated returning through the wood whilst the dreadful storm still raged that lightning oh how awful the flash the heaven seems to be splitting asunder but do not the lightning obey god's bidding is it not the voice of my father which i hear in the thunder even if it bring his summons to his child should i fear to go unto him while her faith was thus wrestling with her fear the attention of Emmy was attracted by a small object near her, almost covered with snow, which, strangely enough, on that winter day, looked something like a rosebud. Its soft crimson hue contrasted with the whiteness of the snow under which it was lying half-buried. There was something curious familiar to Emmy in the appearance of that flower, which did not seem like a work of nature. The small thing, whatever it might be, was but two steps from the spot where Emmy stood leaning against the paling. Emmy turned towards the place where lay the object, and though she could scarcely have given a reason for so doing, she stooped and raised it. With emotions which no pen can describe, the trembling girl drew out from the snow a man's slipper, a slipper which her own fingers had worked for her brother. Emmy sank on her knees with a faint cry of anguish. How had that slipper come there? And when, and oh, where, where was he who had worn it? Did that deserted house conceal some fearful... The chain of thought was broken by an explosive crash of heaven's artillery in the cloud above, and almost simultaneously with a peal, a fireball struck the house, by the garden gate of which Emmy was crouching, still on her knees. The noise was so tremendous that the maiden for a brief space lost sense of hearing and power of thinking, she was deafened and bewildered, and remained motionless and breathless, with the slipper clenched in her grasp. But the thunderclap was soon over, and miserable consciousness of her position returned to poor Emmy. The sight of that slipper roused her to a more sickening fear than could be caused by lightning or thunder. Emmy started to her feet and again turned her wild gaze on the lonely house. It had been fast closed against her entrance, but, attracted perhaps by the metal on the door, heaven's bolt had torn its way through. It had smashed through woodwork and brickwork and made a ghastly breach, charred and blackened, as if a bomb had exploded there to make an opening for destroyers. There was nothing now but her own terror, to hinder the maiden from exploring the lightning-stricken dwelling Oh, father mercy help burst an almost unconscious prayer from Emmy's quivering lips as she lifted the latch of the gate with rapid steps she crossed the little garden by the snow-covered path and over the charred and splintered wreck of a door made her way into the house which she had dreaded so much to enter to Emmy it seemed as if she were borne onwards by some invisible power and was scarcely a voluntary agent, but this sensation was the effect of excited fancy. Emmy was now in the narrow passage of Jael's house. To her right was an open door, beyond which lay a room. Dark indeed, for the shutters of its window were closed, yet not utterly so, for daylight forced its way in through chinks, and there was a faint reflected light from the wall of the passage. Into that room Emmy now turned, groping her way forwards with hand extended, her object was to reach the window and throw open the shutters and so gain fuller light by which to pursue her dreadful search for perhaps a brother's corpse but ere emmy could feel her way to the windows her bare and icy cold hand came in contact with something soft and damp something resembling a human face emmy could not stifle a cry of horror her first emotion was that of terror the next that of almost ecstatic hope as the maiden's straining eyes traced through the deep gloom the outline of a form not standing upright but apparently leaning against or fastened to some heavy piece of furniture the form of which she had accidentally touched the face was assuredly not dead for the flesh had some light warmth and the head had slightly moved when her hand came in contact with it Emmy sprang to the window raised the bar and flung the shutters wide open what a sight did daylight reveal on his knees with his back to a table to which he was bound while his mouth was gagged with his own neckcloth emmy as she turned from the window beheld her brother her own lost bruce almost in the twinkling of an eye the prisoner's mouth was freed from its bonds the exclamations my sister my preserver which burst from the young man's lips showed that neither the sense of recognition nor power of utterance was lost emmy then attempted to free the arms of bruce which were bound with a rope behind him but to accomplish this work required more time and far greater effort the knot was not easily unloosed and the slender delicate fingers of emmy though she exerted their utmost strength could not for several minutes accomplish their difficult task whilst emmy was straining at the tight knot quickened in her efforts by a faint moan from her suffering brother she noticed not whether lightning flashed or thunder rolled she seemed for the time to have lost all personal fear self-consciousness was swallowed up in anxious care for another. At length the rope end was dragged through the last cruel loop, and Bruce Trevor was free. Emmy, with thankful delight, threw her arms around the neck of her brother, and for the first time on that terrible day burst into a flood of tears. Her brother feebly returned her embrace and wept like a child. Emmy was surprised and even alarmed at the emotion to which Bruce Trevor gave way. Had it been Vibert who had wept? vibert ever impulsive and without any self-control emmy would neither have wondered nor feared but that bruce the firm bruce who since childhood had never been known to shed a tear that bruce should actually sob so that even his powers of endurance must have been overstrained at last and that his strong nerves had been shaken by torture either physical or mental and suffering was written on the young man's face not only in the ghastly wound which Harper's blow had left on his brow, but in the hollow eyes, the haggard cheek, the lips which had lost for a while their expression of calm decision. Bruce had secretly prided himself on his firmness. He had to be taught that no merely human courage can be proof against every trial, as his sister had been taught that human weakness can be raised into heroism by the power of faith and prayer. But soon, the strong will struggled against human infirmity. Mastering his emotion by a convulsive effort, Bruce was the first to speak. "'How came you here? Who is with you?' he asked. "'No one is with me. I think that God led me here,' was Emmy's reply. "'He led you indeed,' murmured Bruce. "'The cords were cutting into my flesh. My position was torture. Another half-hour and reason or life must have given way. But for you to come alone, in the storm—' and to such a place as this it's scarcely less than a miracle you Emmy, who dreaded the lightning blessed was the lightning it did his bidding it made a way for me to enter and save you cried Emmy. but for that crashing bolt you have never had seen me alive said bruce as he spoke the young man turned his head with a quick uneasy movement like a sentinel at night who detects the sound of a stealthy tread. Emmy saw the movement and her heart throbbed fast with sympathetic alarm could the forgers be returning to make sure of their victim but the apprehension expressed in the face of bruce arose from a different cause mark you not that smell of burning he said see the smoke rolling in through the doorway the bolt has set the house on fire we must make our escape before the building be wrapped in flames bruce was in so exhausted a state and his limbs had been so crimped by the painful position in which he had for hours remained that without the support of his sister's slight arm he could scarcely have moved even a few steps forward very strange was it to Emmy to find that her brother leaned upon her that it was given to the weak to support the strong to the timid to encourage the brave the relative positions of brother and sister were reversed at that crisis of danger the pride of man was brought low while strength was given to the humble and meek smoke blinding and half-suffocating smoke filled the passage, through which Emmy now guided her brother's faltering steps. Sparks flew around, the heat was intense, the roaring sound of flames mingled with the noise of the storm. But there was no actual obstacle to the departure of the fugitives from the burning house, and over the wreck of the shattered door they passed forth into outer air. Here they felt comparatively safe. The snowy waste which spread around them promised protection at least from any danger of fire the storm was gradually abating and soon the roaring and crackling noise of the conflagration and the crash of falling timbers were more audible than the muttering of thunder rolling away to the west with awe that hushed them into silence the trevors watched for a while the progress of the fire flames burst forth from windows and blazed up from roof till the whole building seemed swathed in a fiery mantle from which the wind scattered myriads of sparks fast as rose a column of black smoke from the conflagration it was spread by the gale in a western direction like a dark pall overshadowing the snow which lay on the heath the trevors had sought the shelter of a hedge on the side opposite to that which flames and smoke were driven and thus not a spark fell beside them though they were near enough to the burning dwelling to feel its glowing heat but for you i should have been there exclaimed bruce after an interval of silence as he pointed towards the house which every minute was becoming more like a burning, fiery furnace. I could not have stirred hand or foot. I should have remained bound like a victim at the stake, waiting till the flame should reach me. You have saved me from the most horrible of deaths. I owe my life to your courage. Not mine! Oh, not mine! It was his gift, exclaimed Emmy, with a gush of unutterable thankfulness and joy. Oh, shall I ever again mistrust the power and goodness of God! End of chapter 26